BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Come and see me on tour. My next stop is Phoenix, Arizona, March 28th, Saturday. One show only, 7 p.m. at CB Live. I can't thank you guys enough for being all over my Instagram page, at Jen Kirkman on Instagram, and going to that post. And you've all been recommending friends and tagging people and saying you're getting tickets. It's been great. Good movement, you guys. Good movement. My next show, Real Talk, is going to be at the Hollywood Improv Lab in February. Um, That is a Tuesday night coming at you. February 25th, I am going to have a comedy legend on the show, um, but I have to confirm with him in a couple weeks, so I don't want to say who it is yet in case he has to reschedule. And But I would uh, come on down because no matter who I have, it's going to be great. But those are on sale now. Everything is on sale now. JenKirkman.com and click tour. New York City, Mother's Day weekend. I have five shows at Caroline's in New York City. JenKirkman.com, click tour. I believe that's all that's on sale right now. But if you go to my website right now, jenkirkman.com, click tour, you can see the cities that I'm coming to that are not on sale yet. But there is a little linky goo in there that you can click and it will take you to my newsletter. You sign up for that. You get an email maybe once every three weeks and it will it will email you I, or I will email you when tickets go on sale or if there's any special pre-sale code, you're going to get that before anybody else. But yep, keep an eye out. And a couple cities that are not on my website that I think I will be revisiting in 2020 are Seattle and San Francisco. But if you don't see your city on the website, I most likely won't be hitting it this year. Um, I don't have, I don't really like to tour during an election year. I think um, it's just, there's a lot of tension out there and I like to avoid it. So, and I'm I'm focusing more on uh, staying home. (laughs) So, um, but you know, don't despair. I go everywhere or I go near everywhere. And so get on that newsletter, jenkirkman.com, click Kirk Mail, and you will know where, uh, if I add anything surprise last minute or, you know, Kate say this, but think about 2021. Enjoy the episode. Fondlessness, fondlessness, fondlessness. Having funlessness, having funlessness. I never signed up for your emails is my favorite thing to click when I am unsubscribing from things that I never subscribed to. My God, I hate when... Oh, hi, this is Having Funlessness with Jen Kirkman episode. Who cares? Who cares? 320. I think it's 320. It's 320. I freaking hate... When I'm buying something and it says click here to be on our mailing list so I don't click it and somehow I'm on it anyway. Somehow I end up on it anyway. It's not just the receipt for the purchase. It's their thing. I get on all these Pilates websites. I don't even remember signing up. I maybe roll through a town. Listen, people, don't get hooked on me. A lot of those songs in the 70s are about 
musicians talking to women that they sleep with in the towns like, baby, don't get hooked. I'm, I'm, I'm a free bird. I'm rolling through for one night. That's how I say to all the Pilates studios across America where I sign up for a class. I come once. That's it. You ain't seeing me again, people. Gotta go. Gotta be free. Can't commit to one Pilates studio um, as I don't live there. And I, to- I listen, I told you guys I don't live here. When I signed up at the front desk and I filled out the forms, I said, I don't live here. Baby, baby, don't get hooked on me. That's really a song from the 70s, you guys. Baby, baby, don't get hooked on me. Ugh. Like, calm down. Nobody's hooked on you. We're just having a good time while you're here. Can I not enjoy it or should I act aloof the entire time? So as not to worry you that I'm going to get hooked. And if I do, who cares? It's the 70s. Once you drive off, I can't get in touch with you. It's so funny to me that all these men, they're the free birds and the baby baby don't get hooked on me. All these men rolling through town are so afraid of women getting hooked on them. What? There's no texting. There's no Instagram direct message. These women cannot find them. So what is it your business if someone's hooked on you? You won't know. Unless she's like rented a bus and is following you. But I highly doubt anyone has that kind of time and money. Anyway, so guys, be grateful, you old 70s rock stars, um, that you didn't live the groupie life during texting and during phones and, and people tracking you on social media. My God, all the women that you left in your wake would be blowing you up. And and you, can, you can't cheat as easily, I'm, I'm assuming. Ah, baby, baby, don't get hooked on me well now of course I have to go look up what that song is um and you know by Mac Davis from 1972 girl you're getting that look in your eyes and it's starting to worry me I ain't ready for no family ties nobody's gonna hurry me just keep it friendly girl cause I don't wanna leave Don't start clinging to me, girl, because I can't breathe. Baby, baby, don't get hooked on me, because I'll just use you, then I'll set you free. He says, baby, don't get hooked on me. Girl, you're a hot-blooded woman, child, and it's warm where you're touching me. Ugh. But I can tell by your trembling smile, you're seeing way too much in me. So then you leave. Don't tell her not to get hooked. She's most likely way younger than you. And, and you know, a lot of times people haven't learned yet because there wasn't Oprah. There wasn't Oprah on TV to remind us of what Maya Angelou said, which is, if someone shows you who they are, believe them. She doesn't know that yet. So it's up to you, actually, dude. You can't let her get hooked. And you know how you do that? You walk away. You're not ready for a family? Don't fuck anybody, okay? I'm coming down real hard on this. Um, I don't know where this is coming from, but I just... <laughs> this is my favorite kind of episode. I have things planned, and I turn on the mic, and I start talking, and here we go. This is old school. Um How else does this go? Okay. Girl, don't let your life get tangled up with mine because I'll just leave you. I can't take no clinging vine. How is she not out the door at this point? But the thing is, I get it. Like, she's hearing words, blah, 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 blah. But he's in there doing his whatever he's doing Um, physically. He's there. So she's like, well, you're not leaving. So I, I, yeah, sure. I won't get hooked. But she's gonna, it's pathology. She's had a, I don't know, something about her makes her attracted to shitty people that, that, that are like that. Um, anyway, uh, baby, baby, don't get hooked on me. Mac Davis. I don't really know what else he did. He did get a Grammy Award for Best Male Pop Performance. Um, 
look, I don't think anyone's buying his music. I, I, I'm going to play it. And if anyone complains, they're really, they're stupid. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. I mean, this guy's no prize. He's cute, but like, calm down. You'd be so lucky to have anyone hooked on you. This is Grammy winning singing or nominated. Oh, it's a pretty good voice. They always had that back then. What about the sitcom? Are you ready for that? No. It's 10 years, 10 years in the future. Where's this? We just need the, um, just keep it friendly, girl. Oh, I'll fuck you, but I want you to keep it friendly. Like, you can't have it both ways. Ugh, these poor gals. These poor gals. Baby, baby, don't get hooked on me. Ugh, I've, I gotta be honest. I've been one of those people. I've been the Mac Davis. I've been like, N- listen, I'm divorced. It's gonna keep this like super cash. Don't get hooked on me. I travel the world as a stand up. I mean, these are people in my life that lived in Los Angeles. I've never had a road affair. Ugh. Um, I've been that douchebag before. And it's really unfair because I'm asking them to control me in a way. And, and it's like, if I know that someone wants a relationship and I don't, then I have to walk away. I can't be like, sort of in the middle. You know, you can't do that to people. Anyway, I don't do that. I don't do that. I wouldn't behave that way now. And I, I don't think I would be. I think if someone said, don't get hooked on me, I'd be like, uh, bye. And then also, I think I would know they were that type of person that was going to say that. So I don't think it would. I don't think I would. I don't think I would trifle with any of this business anymore. But anyway, so it's like I can't. It's like, do I have something wrong with my brain? No, but I can't stop singing that in my head. So what did I want to talk about today? Well, let's go over what we're going to talk about. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, okay. I'm going to talk about TV shows I thought that I would hate, but I loved, and movies as well. Um, There's alternate, there's like a whole movement going on because of a lot of like women's shit. A lot of that women's shit was snubbed at the Oscars. And so women are doing alternate things that night. And I think when this airs, it'll be a few days before the Oscars. And then, um, so my new TV show, Obsessions, and uh, I'll talk about that. Maybe a little stuff about panic disorder. Um because I think things are getting awesome. I'm just, I'm, I'm having this moment. We'll talk. Um, and then some listener emails. So, I mean, I think it's just like a good little like stream of conscien- consciousness episode. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's, it's like the perfect episode to listen to when you're cleaning. You know, those days I had such a good day yesterday where I took, you know, I don't know if I told you guys, I mean, how, how you've probably been in suspense. I did. I think I did. I took my Christmas decorations down and ugh, I, I always experience this lack of, um, like lack of life. And I mean, literal life, like plants and, and spark after I take down the decorations. Like, you know, I will have these like little mini trees that I get at Trader Joe's and stuff like that. And that's all gone. And so then 
I went and bought flowers yesterday, and I bought the cutest things at Trader Joe's. I couldn't believe it. This this wine bottle that like imagine a wine bottle laying on its side, and then imagine that they're you know they put four like rubber stoppers on the bottom so it's not rolling, and then they cut out the top. This like perfect rectangular square, and they put like succulents and rocks in it, and that's what I have on my deck. Like just all succulents because it's hard to keep things alive out here in LA. Uh, my potted things, it's all that kind of stuff. So, and it's adorbs. I think it was like ten bucks, and I bought a couple and put them on my little balcony, and um, it makes me so happy. So, <laughs> I I was doing that, and I was cleaning yesterday, and. I was so grateful that I have podcasts that I love to listen to when I do stuff like that. And I was listening to them and I was like, I hope somebody does this to my podcast. I hope somebody cleans, they open the windows, they get that crisp, cold, fresh air. I know no one believes me, but it's been chilly in L.A. Get that nice little 40 degree air coming in. And that's why I'm also glad that I do this podcast because I get to clean with products that are not harming the environment I use products from Grove. And you guys, if you want to, if you know those kids that you get homework and they peek ahead in class, if you want to peek ahead, go to grove.co slash fun. But I'm going to tell you all about it in this in this ad right here. But when you do that, grove.co slash fun, you're going to get free stuff. Free stuff. You will get a free five-piece cleaning set from uh, Mrs. Meyer or products from Grove themselves. And it's a $30 value. So it's grove.co slash fun to get this exclusive cleaning offer. I mean, I obviously you have to buy a couple things as well, but here's the deal. Grove is an online marketplace, delivers all natural home, beauty, and personal care products directly to your door. One of my favorite things, they have these like little lavender packets of, of cleaner and then this really great reusable bottle and you mix it up yourself with water and I love it. I love it. So every product is guaranteed to be healthy, effective, eco-friendly and affordable. My friend Chris Frangelis says it's eco-friendly. I disagree with him. So I say eco, but because ecology, right? Eco- you don't say ecology. I think it's a, sh- I mean, isn't that, I don't know. Listen, fight- friends fight about things. <laughs> Shop with confidence, knowing everything you buy from us is good for you, your family, your home, and the planet. They want to make it very easy for you to make the switch to natural products. So they're carrying brands that you know and love. This isn't just like, I made it up in the basement. I'm a hippie lady. And they said, no, 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 no. This is the real deal. They've got Mrs. Meyer, Seventh Generation, Burt's Bees, and they have their own best-selling Grove products. They've got seedling, tree-free paper towels, and 100% recycled plastic trash bags. Awesomeness. All in one place. Grove.co. Again, go to grove.co slash fun to get the exclusive free five-piece offer. Here's the deal. You're going to have to clean your house. We can't just stop cleaning because the environment's in the shit. But now you can do it responsibly. And everything smells so good. And so here's the deal. It arrives to your door. You don't have to go anywhere. It just comes to your door. It's really great. So here's the deal. Grove.co slash fun. And it's .co, not com. G-R-O-V-E dot C-O slash fun. Anyway. Anywho. So I don't know what my problem is. Now, it's funny because I'm always like, oh, I don't watch a lot of TV because I just like to stave off conversations about television because everybody watch. There's so many shows. Everybody watches different things. And and. Again, I'm going to congratulate myself. 
I don't care what you watch. If I tell you what my favorite show is and you go, I've never seen it, guess what happens? They go, oh, well, I have no opinion. I'm not going to tell you to watch it. If you're interested why I like it, I'll tell you, but I, I literally don't care. Everybody got their own taste. But um, but I don't like to talk to people about TV because inevitably they're like, you don't? What? No, I don't. I don't. And there's some shows that I never watched, and guess what? I'm never going to know because I know how they end, and I just don't care. It's passed me by. Breaking Bad passed me by. I don't care. It just didn't appeal to me. I'm sure it's the most amazing show ever written. I get it. I just don't care. I don't want to know about the drug dealings and I don't want violence. I don't I don't care. I don't care. It's not for me. Even though I sometimes like stuff like that, it's just I know already. What do you think? I'm dumb. I'm 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 abstaining from pleasure. I I like what I like. Anyway, so I didn't realize that I'd missed like the latest season of one of my favorite reality shows, Million Dollar Listing New York. It's back on the air. Or, you know, it, like, already aired six months ago, so I bought it on iTunes. I know. I'm a fucking weirdo. And I just love it so much, but I know it's evil. I know I know what they're doing is evil. They are selling these boxy buildings. And, and you know what I hated about this episode? It was about, or this season, it was about how the market was down, which was actually kind of interesting to learn about, like, the housing market. Like, it's a buyer's market. Nobody wants to buy. Everything's, the prices are coming down. But... When that happens and people aren't bought because there's so much construction going on in New York City, a lot of places have to drop the price because it's going to be two years of a jackhammer outside your window. So your thing that's now eight million might be four million when really it is kind of worth eight million outside of the construction. Now, I feel like if I had millions, I would totally just buy it because once the construction's done, it'll go right back up. And can't you like soundproof the windows or get a bunch of white noise machines like I, I don't know. Um. There was always construction in the neighborhoods that I was staying in Airbnbs in in, in Brooklyn the last couple of years when I was writing on Mrs. Maisel. And I made it work. I made it work. I got, I got the white noise apps. Anyway, so blah, blah. But they will say, oh, well, this is the perfect place for someone who doesn't live here but wants to invest. Or if they live in another country but they come to New York a few times a year. So you have these billionaires from everywhere else and millionaires buying stuff and they don't even live there. And I don't know why that just bothers me. It just bothers me. I think there's a name for it. Someone told me about it. I forget. But and then this one guy, ugh, and I love Frederick Eklund. He's the oh, I think I talked about this on an episode already. What ofs? He's the gay Swedish guy. But he works for Douglas Elliman, and his boss is a giant, giant Trump supporter and funnels money into Trump's campaigns. And this guy's a little shady, and he was one of the first guys that told Trump he should do a Trump Tower Moscow and he was like somehow in on that deal. So I'm just like, what what is happening? I don't want to I don't want to watch these people. Um, but I can't stop watching. And I love it so much. And I just love looking at apartment. I love looking inside people's homes. My therapist was like, you shouldn't watch that. And I was like, what? Like some my therapist is awesome, but like five percent of the time I'm like, you're so wrong that I don't even know what to say because I have an obsession with homeownership. It's like a weird fixation I have that like I didn't buy a house. But I remember the years that like maybe I could have taken all of my savings and thrown it into buying a house. But I was like, I don't know how long Chelsea Lately is going to be on the air. I'm single. 
And then now I have a mortgage and then all the things that come with home ownership. And it's so expensive out here. And then you have to live in like kind of a far away, like you can't really live where you want to live necessarily because a cheaper house will be in a different area. And I wanted to live specifically where I live. And I was like, I think I'm going to stay renting and it's a brand new building and it's earthquake proof. And I, I mean, not earthquake proof, but it's it's like the most updated you can be. And I don't know. I just thought like, well, I love traveling and I'd rather put my money into that. And and I, I guess in a way I'm maybe fucked up a little bit because I feel weird that I don't own property. And I'm just sort of like it it like stresses me out. And it's like the subject of many therapy sessions. And so I'm saving aggressively right now. Like maybe someday I'll be able to buy something in like a few years. I don't know. Um, but it's like there's just a there's like a shame around it, too, because it was like fine in my 30s to have this opinion. Like I'm just sort of a New Yorker at heart and they all rent and I'm a renter and I'm, I live in L.A. like a New Yorker does in, in this sort of New York way with a condo and a thing. And then. I don't know, as I get older, like it's like society's voice in my head gets in there and I feel shame that I don't own anything. And then there's something about like, oh, she's renting at 45. I don't know why that is like a thing. Like I have a beautiful adorbs home, but like, yeah, I don't. But part of me also doesn't want to live in a house by myself because it's scary. And I would want all this like home security. I don't know. It's just like I don't. But then sometimes when I want to have a lot of people over, like that would appeal to me to have like more room. And then at the end of the day, what I realized is, oh, I can always just move. Like I can always, I don't have to buy a, I don't have to wait to move until I buy a house. I can rent somewhere else. Like maybe I rent a house or maybe whatever. I, you know, I'm sure the only, we can get stuck. Like where I live is the only place I can live, you know? And it's like, yeah, things will be more expensive, but they might be more updated or whatever. You know, I've been in my place, I think for six years now and seven probably. And anyway, so she's like, I don't think watching that show is good for you because you need to like be less obsessed with homeownership. I'm like, watching the show is amazing for me because I realize how much money it takes to live where I want to live. And it's just not possible. I don't have to feel shame that I don't have $8 million. Most people don't, you know? And I was like, and it's New York. I love the show. And also it's aspirational, which gets me going. Like, I don't feel bad. I feel good when I watch it. And so I just highly disagreed with her. And I was just like, no, like, if I can't tell you how much I love million dollar listing in a session, then what is this? And I know you guys are like, do you basically do a podcast episode at your therapist? Like, why are you talking about million dollar listing? But the reason I had brought it up was my whole point was I just dawned on me that my thinking was very black and white. And somebody had written to me about this on Instagram and they said, you always say black and white thinking. Can you give me an example? Of what does that mean? So my black and white thinking is this. I need to own a home or I'm a loser. That, that's like, those are my two options, homeownership or loser. And the other option is I live where I live now and I can't leave until I'm ready to buy a home, but I'm not ready to buy a home and that's going to be five more years. So when I'm 50, I'm going to be like, oh my God, I've been in this apartment 15 years. I haven't moved on with my life. Like that's black and white thinking. You're not seeing all of the different things. You know, think of it as temperature. You're either it's 100 degrees or it's zero. It's like there's many different temperatures in between. And so something else that that dawned on me from watching Million Dollar Listing because Ryan Serhant got this <laughs> apartment complex and the developer said, now these would be rental units. I'm not, ex these aren't units to sell. And he was like, I don't do rental units. That's a different part of my company. And then he went home and his wife 
said to him, well, why don't you? I mean, you can handle this. You just get a team together and you'll, you know. So I thought, oh, right. I could get like a fancy schmance, um, I don't know, what do you call them? Real estate people. If I want to move and, you know, pay the same amount I pay now and find something different. Maybe it's a bigger condo. Maybe it's a house with a different layout. I don't know what it is, but I always think, oh, it's so hard to move. And how I found out about the place I live in is my dear friend, Chris Frangelo, whom I mentioned in the (laughs) Grove ad. He lived in the apartment next door, like in the building next door. And he was like, they're building from the ground up a new place next door to me. And I said, I I would like to move there. I want a modern, all new place. And so that's how I found out about it. I don't know how to find, I mean, I don't want to look in listings and Zillow and all that. I don't, I hate all that stuff. I'm just not good with that stuff. So I'm the type of person who likes to hire people to do things. (laughs) And so even though it's a little bit of a waste to get a real estate agent for renting that, it was like that, that was my non-black and white thinking. Oh, wait. There's a world where I get to live somewhere else if I want to before I buy a home that, you know, that now we're in now we're in territory. Woo. Three options. There's three options now, you know, instead of just two. And there's probably seven options. Right. So it's it's knowing that when our brain gives us two choices and a lot of it's mired in our own pathology and shame, we're probably doing black and white thinking. Nope, it's this or this. And, you know. Usually, you know, and that's where like the spiritual side comes in where it's like, okay, if you're convinced you can't have a big, beautiful life and you don't think surprises are coming or there's other options, fine. I guess double down on your black and white thinking, but it's only going to bring you misery. So, anywho, um, yeah, so I've been watching that and, but I had some free time. Now I'm back in the swing of things at work. We're busy working. I'm writing on this show on Netflix called Girls on the Bus. It's going to come out, uh, I think, like, after. I, I don't know when it's coming out or if I'm allowed to say it. So, But it's not coming out anytime, like, immediately. Um, anyway, but you were busy at work. And then, you know, I just have my own other tour stuff I do and whatever. So I'm busy 24-7 trying not to just sit on my ass because like writing jobs, you sit all day. I mean, you can stand up and stretch, of course, but I mean, you're not getting many steps in burning calories. So I'm trying to, I mean, I've been getting up at 530 in the morning, six in the morning sometimes and doing a workout class, whether it's Pilates or I take a hike. Um, I sometimes do it after work, but a lot of times at that point, I just don't feel like doing anything. But um, so I'm trying to exercise every day for an hour because there's a lot of ass sitting going on and I can't have that. So And I'm like writing my own stuff on the side and there's ass sitting involved with that. So I don't have a lot of time for TV right now is my point. But when I did, I never wanted to watch that Paul Rudd show on Netflix called Living With Yourself. I don't know what it is. I'm not a Paul Rudd hater. I'm just not a Paul Rudd super fan. He's fine. I think he's talented. I I get that he's really, really cute and funny and sometimes I guess people aren't both or something I I don't know there's a lot of hype around his looks even though he's so funny how does he do both I don't know and I just he just um he hits me like white bread does that make sense it I'm not saying he's white bread he's basic it just doesn't interest me whatever it is and so I would see you know Netflix puts that picture up that thumbnail and you know it is targeted towards you. So 
if there's a thumbnail for let's say I just saw a billboard for Leslie Jones' new Netflix special. So depending on your tastes, your thumbnail for Leslie will be different than mine. Unless we have the same taste, then of course it won't be. But I've even seen um, people take a picture of their TV when my special comes on Netflix. Oh, what? Thank you. People are still saying to me, I love your special. There's two bitches. And the fact that no one knows about the second one is why they're not giving me a third. Just Keep Living, it came out in 2017. I filmed it in August of 2016. Just Keep Living, it is on Netflix. And my other special, I'm Gonna Die Alone and I Feel Fine, which again is a tip to the R.E.M. song. It's the end of the world as we know it and I feel fine. It's slacker irony. Nobody younger gets it. Everyone's all sensitive. They're like, oh my God, you won't die alone. It's about, I wrote it when I was married. It's about how everyone dies alone even if you're married. Get over it. Okay, great. So anyway. Those are my specials. But I notice when people take photos of it and tweet it to me that their thumbnail is different than mine. What else? So for some reason, my thumbnail was just this one scene. I'm not going to give spoilers. But there's this one scene in the show, and it's in the pilot, where Paul Rudd's character is sticking his head out the window of the car like a dog while he drives and smiling. And I, this is what, just from looking at a thumbnail, this is where my mind goes, Oh, this is some screwball comedy where this guy is his own twin brother or we see his inner self being played out and he's goofy and silly and it's like living with yourself like I'm so clumsy. I spill things and I'm my own roommate, but it's really me and I don't know. And he's giggling and smiling and like, I'm just so darn cute. And I was like, ugh, who wants to watch this? Not me. Enough with the cuteness and that we got it. You're cute. Okay. I mean, all of this from a thumbnail. I mean, and that's why it's a psychology with this with this Netflix. And, you know, they've they've they're doing research on us every day and figuring out based on what we watch, what thumbnails will correspond. So, yeah, they, I don't know what other thumbnail there could have been for this show, but I was like, Bleh. and so then I realized I should probably be up on some of the new shows like on the network that I'm writing for and. You know, um, it's always good to watch things and see how they cliffhanger to the next episode because that's, you know, a big thing in streaming. And so I thought, well, I just educationally, I'll just watch it. So I watched the pilot and 10 minutes in, I thought, oh, I love this. I wasn't about a happy guy at all. And this might be a spoiler, so you can fast forward a little bit, but it's about a depressed guy who can't like, he's just like, not really nailing it at work, not sure if he's happy in his marriage. And his friend at work says to him, you've got to go to this place. It's like a day spa and you'll feel much better. And it's all very vague. And he goes to this day spa and I don't think he knows what he's about to do, but he gets put under and they clone him and they bury him like the original him alive. And then the clone remains alive, obviously. So the clone wakes up in the bed and it's him. And he's so happy. And that's why his face is out the window because he's the cloned him. And he's just really breathing air for the first time in the in the sense of he's like no damage. He's like the perfect happy person. And he's nailing it at work and all this. And then we cut to this guy scratching out of his grave and coming up for air because he had been buried and that's the original Paul Rudd. So they 
me up. And now they've got to figure out what to do because he obviously has a wife. And anyway, it's, it's fantastic. And I know it's like a metaphor for like the two sides of us. And would you stay in love with someone, you know, warts and all, even though there's a perfect version, like all that stuff, right? Great, 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 great. Ending like the very last episode, I was like, huh, I don't know how I feel. I don't care. I liked the journey. It's like something that I don't know if we're ever going to be satisfied with the ending. But I loved it. And it was dark and depressing. And I was like, oh, that's what I like to watch. So I loved it. I could, you never, I don't know why there wasn't a special report on the news that was like, this is about a depressed guy who clones himself. I never got that from it. I could have read about it, but I didn't. I didn't. It's sort of like the movie The Long Shot. I thought, oh, I don't know, another I'm hot, like she's hot, I'm not kind of like dude bro fantasy. And I like Seth Rogen a lot. I've met him. He was so nice to me. I did his show Hilarity for Charity. I bombed my face off. I think I told you guys this. Let's revisit the story because it does involve Francis Bean Cobain and I meeting. Oh, yeah. Kurt Cobain's daughter face to face with me. But before I tell you about that, let me tell you about this. Kurt Cobain went on tour a lot, and so do I. I mean, I'm no Nirvana. But I like to have comfortable pants to travel in, but I'm really against sweatpants on planes. I'm just against it. I've got some cool Adidas. Like, I can kind of wear that because that's like a look. But I heard about this brand, Beta Brand, and they sent me some, and I was like, oh, this is dope. So here's the deal. You know, you're like getting ready for, maybe you don't tour, but you're getting ready for work. And you're like, is today a stylish day or a comfortable day? Like, I don't know. Especially like women, we got a period. Sometimes we feel bloated, whatever. So now, thanks to Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants, you don't have to decide. You know, if you're running from a flight straight to a meeting or like whatever. Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants are perfect for the office, home, and anywhere your day takes you. And I'm serious. I have a pair. They look like dress pants. You put them on. They've got a little pocket in the back. They're they're form-fitting, but they don't look they don't look stretchy. They don't look like you just went to the gym. They're actually cut pants that are cut like pants, you know, like a boot cut or even a little flare. There's all different kinds. So they are stylish. They are comfortable. It is professional attire. And you don't have to pick one. You can have it all. They are wrinkle free. They're super comfy. They're totally stretchy. They just don't look it, you know, and they stay wrinkle free. They have all the styles of dress pants that you know and love and with the stretch and fit and feel of yoga pants. You can choose from dozens of colors and patterns and cuts and styles. And I'm going to get more on my own, like boot cut, straight legs, skinny, cropped and more. They even have a pair with eight pockets. And now they also offer premium denim that has the same flexibility and comfort as yoga pants. So right now, my listeners can get 20% off your first order when you go to betabrand.com slash fun. So here's how we spell it. B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D.com. So betabrand.com slash fun. 20% off your first order, which is great because these are reasonably priced as is. Millions of women agree these are the most comfortable pants you will ever wear to work. Go to betabrand.com slash fun for 20% off. Anyway, okay, so let me pause on the long shot movie and take you back to me and Seth Rogen. So I get this call 
or my agent or manager does. I don't remember anymore, but, you know, my people get this call. Seth and his movie producing partner are, you know, Seth does this thing every year, Hilarity for Charity. He's, um, you know, his passion is, is finding a cure for Alzheimer's. He was really great speaking about it in front of Congress. It was fucking fantastic. I highly recommend that you find that clip. Because there were a bunch of, you know, politicians that weren't there and he was chastising them. I was fucking great. So now the event itself was great. And there was like a lot of great comics on it. Mark Maron, Morgan Murphy, Snoop Dogg was on it. Courtney Love was on it. It was quite a show. And so I didn't know who was going to be on it. And I went there backstage and I was like, and I was with my, at the time, this my ex. And, you know, he loves uh, Nirvana and Courtney Love, you know, as much as me. So it was like, he was like, oh, my God, look, look who's on the show with you. And I looked and I saw her name and I was like, oh, my God, I'd never met her. I was like, we've got to meet. And so. And then my friend Morgan loved Snoop Dogg. It was like our childhood 90s coming to life. Um, so. I just didn't have a good set. I don't know what it was. Morgan does shorter jokes. It's like way like she's just funny right off the bat. And Marin was pretty well known at this point. And then I was just like, you know, like longer form like Marin, but not well known like Marin. And so just like not like it just wasn't hitting. And I I chose instead of to do like 15 minutes of shorter stuff, I did like this one long piece about that's in my Netflix special about harassment and like my friend that yells nice tits. And it's I mean, it's a great bit. But honestly, if you're like eating dinner and it's the sound wasn't carrying very well, it wasn't exactly a room set up for comedy. And so it was everything against me, you know. I didn't mean that in a victim way. Like, everything was against me. I mean, it was just everything that does not support what I need for a show. And I was really embarrassed because I, I, like, didn't bomb. Like, people weren't yelling, you suck. But it just, that would have been something. It was just more like, huh, 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 mild chuckles. It felt like performing at a wedding. People are at tables and they're eating. It just <laughs> wasn't my thing. And so, you know, Courtney was, I've been looking at her Instagram. I guess she's a year sober. I guess it really is the first time she's actually been. Um, so I don't know what was going on with her when, when I met her. She was really nice, um, a little sad, a little sluggish. I don't think she was like on heroin or anything. I think maybe some pills. She was drinking a weird rum and Coke or some weird drink. Not weird, but just sort of like, ugh. Um, and she was really nice. And my friend Morgan was with me and she was like, Morgan, I love that lipstick color. So they were like trying on lipstick together. And I was like, and uh, Kurt Cobain was good friends with Bob Goldthwaite. You may know as Bobcat Goldthwaite. And Bob, you know, was a comic in the 80s, like really big comic in Police Academy. He did the crazy voices. And now he's a director and he directed uh, a really great movie. I forget the name, but uh, I mean, so many great movies in a documentary. And he directed episodes of Jimmy Kimmel. So that's how Morgan knew Bob. And Kurt Cobain loved Bobcat and would take him on the road with him and they were really close. And Bob's been sober for years and years. I'm, I'm sure he looked up to him in that way, too, but just never could get it together for himself. And so um, Courtney was saying to Morgan, you oh, Kurt loved comedians so much. And and it's funny because before comedy was ever even a thought in my head, I saw Nirvana, not to brag. Um, I saw them 
in play in Massachusetts. I mean, at this point, it was definitely an arena. I wasn't like, and I was at this concert that 10 people were at, although I could have gone to a concert that 10 people were at, but I wasn't allowed to go into the city at night because it's too young. My mother's listening. I didn't know, Jennifer. I'm so sorry. Um, So I'm at the arena and he was so funny. He was peppering in funny things. Just dry, deadpan. I mean, Gen Xers are fucking funny. Just dry, deadpan things in between songs. And I remember laughing. And I remember saying to my friends after the concert, he's like a comedian. You know, he's funny like a comedian. And I was like 19, I think, in college. This was just three months before they before he died. And so I think I was 19. And I, I just kept saying he's like a comedian. And... It didn't, and I was in college studying acting, and I think I may have even been in an improv group, but I didn't know I wanted to do stand up at that point. And I remember thinking, I mean, I was still like, I had a band in high school, and like, I was still trying to carry that through (laughs) into real life because I thought bands were fun. Like, I wanted to be in a band because I liked the camaraderie and the jokes, and I wanted to be funny, not like Weird Al. Like, I wanted to do serious, angry rock music, but I wanted, to have those moments on stage like he did where he said dry, deadpan, funny things. And it didn't dawn on me, well, maybe you want to be a comedian. Didn't dawn on me. Still doesn't dawn on me. I'm like, do I want to do this? And so um, anyway, I just remembered knowing how funny he was. And Bob didn't open for him the show that I saw. Uh, Actually, the Breeders did, and they were incredible. And I've since been lucky enough to see them since in a smaller venue. And anyway, and he was so self-deprecating. Like, I can't believe the breeders are opening for me. Like, we're the worst. They're the best. He was great. He was great. He was fucking great. So Courtney was backstage with us and she was like, oh, and she's like tears in her eyes. And she's like, Kurt loved comedy so much. And he just was in his soul and he loved comedians and he loved Bob so much. And Bob was so kind to him and. It was just like I was seriously crying. Like I, I don't know how. I mean, I I don't know how many new listeners I have. I've been doing this podcast for so long that I think people may forget that how important Kurt Cobain was to me. And so, and uh, and his decision to to marry Courtney Love. I know they're both a mess and all that, but there was a, something very important for me as a teenage girl to see the punk rock guy pick the loud lady. That was um, definitely not a thing I was seeing happen in real life. I was seeing the punk rock guys all kind of like these, what I call the ghosts. They were these girls that were neither, they were neither in any kind of scene and they were just really quiet. And there was a big, there was a big, um, you know, these guys were really great, right? Like liberal, they'd be like pro-choice, but there's still this conditioning that like the ideal woman is quiet. And um, it just meant a lot when the punk rock guy picked the loud lady. That's all I can say. So, um, because I'm a loud lady, if you hadn't understood what I was getting at with that. And I think I'm scarred because I gave a note to this boy I liked in high school um, and said, do you like me? Check yes or no. And I gave it to my friend Terry, who was close with him, and gave, and, and she had a boyfriend, and I gave her the note to give to him. What I mean, <laughs> thank God there wasn't like the internet. Oh my God, I would have publicly made a fool of myself all the time. And he wrote, like, I think he checked, like, he added a new box that was like, Maybe, but you're too loud. You're too loud. And so I was like a loud laugher, loud talker. I was like fun and silly. And I did the musicals. And I was, yeah, I was fucking loud. Like I'm a performer. And he was like all more quiet and like, huh. And uh, yeah, so I think that always stuck in my head. Anyway, 
so I'm backstage with the loud lady. Finally got to meet her. And um, I go, oh, I got to go. I'm going on stage. Now, Courtney and I had had a bizarre relationship before this. We would email a lot and DM on Twitter. And it really was her. Um, I think she had a weird obsession with Chelsea. And that's why she was hitting me up. And I was like, I'm not giving you any gossip on Chelsea. Because I think... um, she was jealous of Chelsea dating someone. So it was kind of messy. But I was like, look, I'm a big fan of yours. You know, I think you're like just a, a weird, wild woman, as Johnny, as the imitation of Johnny Carson used to be on SNL. Um, And, you know, we stayed in touch a little bit here and there. But I don't think like I don't think to this day she would remember. I don't even know if she knew when I met her, I was the person she'd been corresponding with. I think she did. But um. She would always think I was much younger than I was and be like, oh, I wish I was 20 again. I'm like, me too. I'm 40. And she was like, oh, how, how do you look so good? I'm like, well, I wasn't a fucking drug addict for 20 years. <laughs> Probably part of it. I think she lived a little harder than I have. Anyway, long story short, she was really kind to me backstage and she did act like she had remembered who I was. So I go on stage into Nango, well, as I said, and I get off stage and I go backstage and Courtney's backstage waiting and gives me this big hug. And she's like, oh, and I was like, that was terrible. She, I don't even think she watched anything. She was just like, I just think you're great. So I don't know what happened when I was on stage, what happy pill she took. But she's like, I want you to meet Francis. And I was like, ah, what? I'm going to meet Francis? I can't deal. Oh, my God. Does Francis look like her dad? Oh, my God. I was looking into his eyes. It was like fucking crazy. And she has the same mouth. Like I could I can't explain it to you guys. Like, again, as a teenager, I've watched every Kurt Cobain video there is like every I know everything he's ever said. (laughs) I know everything. And so I was like studying her face and I was like, this is her dad's face. And after just hearing how much like Kurt liked comedians and Bobcat and whatever, and Frances comes up to me and she's like, you're fucking awesome. And I was like, I bombed. She goes, fuck those Hollywood assholes. And I was like, I feel like I'm talking to Kurt. That's totally what he would say. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, just fucking Hollywood corporate. I don't know what she's saying. And I was just like, oh, thanks. She's like, you fucking, like, I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, I take that as, now I shouldn't, I can't speak for the man, but I take that as Kurt Cobain thinks I'm funny. I fucking take that as Kurt Cobain thinks I'm funny. Um, oh my God. So I, I got off track. So Seth Rogen, I ain't got no beef with Seth Rogen uh, for letting me be part of this night that led to like the most magical moment of my life. So, but in general, like, Am I done with these like she's hot? I'm not movies like, yeah, totally. And but what was interesting was so I didn't want to see the long shot. And what I actually thought was interesting on Twitter now that men now that men have rights. No, but you know what I mean? Now that men are kind of speaking up about things like, well, hey, wait a minute. Like, you know, I mean, I get it. It's sort of sexist that like you don't really see movies about the not hot woman and the hot guy. And like in real life, it really doesn't happen that much. You know, and, and women look for different things in men. So I think there I'm sure there's a lot of not hot guys out there I'm like, oh, really hot women like us? Like, I don't fucking see it happening. Like, no, I know it's in general, hot people go with hot people. But I would say the exceptions do tilt more to hot women and less hot men or whatever. And then I realized that, like, 
oh, like men have the same societal pressures that women do to look good. And it's just not been their survival. Like they get to survive without looking good because they don't have to marry the opposite sex in order to have money the way that we used to and all that. So but now that things are more even, like I guess we do have to watch watch it with our language because a lot of guys on Twitter were like, can y'all stop saying he's not hot? Like he's a perfectly good looking man. You know, I look like Seth Rogen. Like he's not disgusting. Like can we just stop? And I was like, oh, that's such a good point. Like why are we like, oh, gross. He's just like a perfectly normal average looking dude who's lovely. Like, of course, he's a catch. He's a great dude, right? The female version of him would be like, she's a fucking catch. So, but usually with these kind of movies, it's like man, child, woman has her shit together. What I like, so anyway, I'm on the plane and there's nothing to watch. And I was like, all right, I'll watch a long shot. And what I loved about it, him and Charlize Theron, is, um, She's running for president. So in the movie, she plays the senator, but he had known her growing up. She was his babysitter. Like she's maybe like two years older than him or something. And he'd always been in love with her. And they were friends. And, you know, she's in her like political bubble and nobody's keeping it real. And and he's this like Brooklyn kind of, you know, writer guy who's, you know, a righteous dude on the, you know, he was doing some undercover thing, like exposing this Nazi group, even though he's Jewish, he like embedded himself with these neo-Nazis and they found out and he had to jump out a window. So like you get it right away. Like, oh, he's a righteous guy. He's brave. He's cool, whatever. But he's also like, I don't know how to dress and whatever. And then he gets fired and then he doesn't have a job. And then he shows up at an event and he tells off like the editor of the website or something. And she's like, wait, I know you. And oh my God, I've been seeing you since we were kids. And she's like, I liked what you said there, you know, that kind of thing, which is like, I might want you to write for me. And so he does. But they have these like actual arguments and he acts like an idiot a lot of times. But it's not from a like men are idiots. It's like this character is hot headed. This character is self-righteous and righteous. And sometimes he's right and sometimes he's wrong. It was a pretty well thought out character. And she's like, hey, wait a minute. There's you know, they're both right and they're both wrong, like normal adult people. And. They spar, they have their things, and then, uh, spoiler, spoiler, so fast forward if you need to, hang on. At the end of the movie, she becomes president. So we have this, like, cool lady president, and he's the first man, and he's the first first man, and they're in the Oval Office, and he's like, it's not annoying. It's not one of those things where it's like, oh, the guy's just going to do nothing, and the woman's kicking ass. It's, like, just a complete gender reversal, and it's totally masculine and wonderful. He's like, I just have a fucking kick-ass wife who's, like, cool as shit. I'm here to support her, and, like, I'm cool. I got my thing. It was like, I literally started crying, and again, as you know, people on airplanes when they watch movies their emotions are running higher so we might love things more because we saw it on a plane i'm crying and i'm like this is america i want to live in like this is such a good message for men and like (laughs) you know so now i know if but i didn't know what the long shot was about because it's like hot woman in the picture like drinking a beer and like you know seth rogan level hot man just like well i'm a dude in a beard and i was like why do i want to see this this male fantasy come to life enough already. And it's like a female fantasy come to life. I fucking loved it. But if you had just said, oh, no, she becomes president and he totally supports her, I'd be like, oh, watch the shit out of this. So that is my message to everyone is she becomes president and he supports her. So watch it. You might like it. My friend Jackie Keishan, she felt the same way. I heard her talking about it on her wonderful podcast that I love called The Jackie and Lori Show. It's her and Lori Kilmartin, uh, great comedian and writer. She writes for Conan. Anyway, so. Jackie and Lauren were talking about it, and Jackie keeps watching it every time she gets on an airplane as her kind of, 
I wish this was the world happy place. And she was vehemently against the movie as well. And so I don't I just think that's she's like my kindred spirit with that particular topic. Um, so, you know, I'm judging things by the cover. And so far, it's not worked out for me. Um, I also loved the movie Ford versus Ferrari. So I don't even know if it's in theaters yet, but I got the screener DVD for, you know, from I've explained that before for the award season stuff. I, I mean, I love Christian Bale in anything. He's one of my favorite actors. And I thought it was great. I thought it was about more NASCAR, like modern day car racing, but it's not. It's about which I didn't even know any of this, when the Ford company decided to make their first race car and they went up against Ferrari at this giant race, which is like a 24-hour race where you're not just on a track, but you're driving all through France and this countryside. And I had no idea that Ferrari was the race car and that nobody had really ever made a car that rivaled them and that Ford was going to, and they wanted to do it within like eight months or something crazy like that. And they did it. And it's one of those like working class guys against the corporate ad guys who don't really get it. And like Christian Bale's the like boots on the ground, like amazing race car driver that is helping Ford construct the perfect car, but they don't like him because he's kind of a rebel and they want another guy to drive it. But that other guy's not as good. You know, it's that kind of thing. And I don't give one fuck about cars, certainly not racing. And I loved this movie. I absolutely loved it. Although, you know, what's funny is when I watch a movie about a true story, I will pause and Google, and I found out how... I didn't find out how the movie ends, but I found out a detail that I was like, oh, I didn't know this. And then I hear they kind of shoehorned that detail onto the end of the movie. And so I didn't watch the last five minutes because I was like, I actually don't want to see it. Um, I know what happens. I don't like it. And so bye. Like, I just didn't want to be bummed. Anyway, it's a great movie. Like, if you just want to watch something that has like that like is not going to remind you of anything in your life, if that makes sense. Like if you're like, I don't really want a love story or a breakup story or something about, <clears throat> I don't know, and family. It's really not. It's really just about being really instinctively good at something and like fighting against the powers that be that are kind of not understanding how it works. And it's it's great acting. It's funny. It's cool. It's just cool. And it's yeah. So I think it's about. The 50s or 60s? The si- it must be the 60s. I don't know. I hate when people are dumb and they're like, I don't know, one of those decades, two completely different decades. Um, and then my other two favorite shows are Couples Therapy, the one on Showtime, and Dating Around, which is on Netflix. And Dating Around has been around for a while. So after my heartbreak of 2016, I mean, I was, I was pretty, like, roughed up for a long time. Years. I mean years, maybe three years. Maybe I'm just in the last few months, like really coming to life again. And I couldn't watch, I mean, in the last year I've been able to, but the first two years of the breakup, I could not watch romantic comedies. I couldn't watch if people got together. I couldn't watch if they broke up. I just didn't even want to acknowledge that there was any love in the world. And it really actually, the chaos of Donald Trump winning the election and getting inaugurated in January, like my breakup was like right before January, like I was, oh, this is horrible, but like couples were breaking up everywhere because like their husband voted for, 
you know, wrote in Bernie instead of Hillary. Now you're the reason we have Trump or women were like, my husband loves Trump or like people were breaking up because of political stuff. And I was like, good, everybody break up. Or like marriages were being weird because women were just like, I'm sick of men. Like every I knew a lot of couples that were having strife. And I was like, good. <laughs> That's not why we broke up. But I was just like, everybody miserable. I'm happy. And, you know, everyone was freaking out. Oh, my God, Donald Trump's president. And oh, my God, he's like blocking immigration and like everything's horrible. And we just left the Paris. Like everything was in chaos. And I was like, delicious. I'm so glad everything's in chaos. I was like a bad character in a movie just rubbing my hands together. Like, if I'm miserable, so shall all of you be. And so I knew I was over it when about a year ago I was able to watch Dating Around on a friend's recommendation. And I loved it. It's 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 a reality show you can feel good about. It's like a documentary. You're, you're watching couples. So you're what? Let's say... Um, Every episode is is centered on one person. So let's say there's a guy named Frank. He goes on five dates. Um, I think he they even have him in the same outfit every date. Um, same restaurant and five different people. So like they'll they'll intercut. You know they've filmed five dates, and you see how he is with five different people. And it's funny. A lot of times when somebody you can tell doesn't really like someone, they get more sexual more fast. They kind of put the charm on and they do their little thing. And then when you see when someone really likes someone, they're so vulnerable, a little scared, and conversation is a little different. They're not being pervs and stuff. And it's really fascinating to watch. And I think what's cool about it is you are following one person on five dates. And so you can actually see, oh, he's doing that old trick. Oh, he's trying that. It's not working this time. And and then you see when opposites come together. There was one about an older man who had lost his wife and she was an artist and he lived in the village. And so it's, all of it, this is in New York City. And so he goes on a date with another widow woman who she's also an artist. And, and you would think, oh, it's just going to be like an exact replacement of his wife. And he ended up picking someone totally different. And it was so interesting. I really loved watching it. And then couples therapy, holy shit. I thought it was a scripted show um, based on nothing. I just heard the name and just thought Showtime scripted. And then I read about it and I started watching it and it is amazing. And what I like about it is the cameras are not in the room. So it's almost set up like behind the glass, like a focus group. So it's not really this therapist's office. It is obviously like a re- a replica of her office soundstage thing. And, um, you know, they really forget the cameras are there. And you get to see just so many fascinating things. Like this one guy is blatantly like a narcissist and he had family trauma. Like his mom just didn't really notice what he was doing. And when he was 15, this older woman in him started dating and he just like went and lived with her and his mom didn't even know. And he was like completely detached from everything. But he'd been with his wife 21 years and he really loves her and he seems caring, but he's like a weird, manipulative narcissist where whenever she has any issue with him, he's like, if she could just not have the issue, like everything would be perfect. And he doesn't understand that sometimes people have issues with things and he would be really condescending. Like, you know, sometimes every once in a while the therapist would be like, well, you know, lady, that is your stuff. And he'd be like, see, honey, that's all you. Like He was the worst. And I don't know if they ended up breaking up, but they left the couple's therapy and didn't finish. But I guess they said they'd never made it more than five sessions with someone. And I was going down this rabbit hole and trying to find information about them. And I was on a Reddit thread. And I guess he like goes on Twitter and searches his name and fights with people, but then deletes them. Oh, it's delightful. Anyway, so that's my new favorite show. And I can't wait for it to come back and 
God, you learn so much. And what I liked about it is the therapist then goes to her advisor. So it's like she has a therapy session about the couples. And she's like, I don't know what to do. Like, part of me is like, is he just being sexist or is this like a real issue? It's so good. I'm obviously not a television critic because my critic critiques would be, it's so good. Or I don't want to watch it. It's, it's, it's a job for a reason. It's an actual art that I don't have any of. So anyway... Uh, before we go, I'll read you an article really quick about what women are doing for this Oscar season. But everybody, go get tour tickets, jenkirkman.com. Click tour. If you can find me on Twitter at Jen Kirkman or Instagram at Jen Kirkman. If you have purchased tickets for shows, take a picture from tweet about it. Tag me to extra get my attention. Hashtag Jen Kirkman 2020. And then if you go to my Instagram page and you find you know, the posts about certain cities and you're going to it, just write, I got tickets or tag a friend, tell a friend. I would really love it. Leave me five-star review on iTunes and and I may just read it on air. Let's see if there's a new one coming up. And uh, also subscribe to my newsletter, jenkirkman.com, click Kirk Mail. And there is going to be new merchandise coming, so I'll obviously let you know when that happens. But if you want to shop for an I Seem Fun Pillow or I Meditated Today Motherfucker t-shirt or an Over 40 mug or anything like that, you can go to jenkirkman.com and click Shop. And once you're on that page, it'll take you to the link to my store, um, on a website called tpublic.com and every sale helps an independent designer and I do get a portion of those sales. So it's a great way to support me and the show and get yourself some cool stuff. Um, I don't have any new ads, uh, new ads, new reviews to read you. Um, there we go. Okay, great. Well, We'll wait. We'll wait for some new reviews. Um, And lastly, ladies, if you're feeling a little bit snubbed by the Oscars, here's the deal. I'm reading this on Vogue.com. Some women are planning to boycott the Oscars. They'll watch Hustlers and drink wine instead. Uh, Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned by the Oscars again and again and again and again. On Monday morning, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, which in its 91-year existence has honored only one woman with a Best Director trophy, Catherine Bigelow for The Hurt Locker in 2010 continued its long tradition of overlooking women and people of color. Women were entirely shut out of the best director race, despite worthy contenders like Greta Gerwig for Little Women, the farewell director Lula Wang, Hustlers director Lorena Scafaria, and Melina Matsukis, the filmmaker behind Queen and Slim. Instead, the majority white, majority male films, Joker, The Irishman, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, God, and these are like the most white male films of all time, and 1917, films in which women are scarce and seldom speak were the most nominated. In response, some women are planning to boycott and planning alternative programming for the upcoming Oscars on February 9th. Gonna host my own Oscar this year, BuzzFeed producer Julia Moser tweeted. It's just me drinking wine and ranting about how much I love Little Women and The Farewell and Hustlers. Moser later told Vogue of the glaring lack of female nominations. It just makes me so angry. It's not just that these incredible films and actors were snubbed. It's also that the movies that were nominated were so bro-y. If the Oscars refuse to see women, some women may now refuse to watch the ceremony. And I think I'm going to. I have the screener for Little Women. I'm going to stay in on Sunday, February 9th and watch that instead, instead of going to an Oscar party or watching it on TV. So, meh, neener, neener. Um, anyway, yeah, so that's the deal. Um, if the Oscars refuse to see women, some women may now refuse to watch Author and screenwriter Jessica Knoll said, Remember that episode of The Office where Pam and Karen formed a new party planning committee and threw such a fun party that no one wanted to go to Angela's party anymore? 
Greta Gerwig and the cast of Parasite should do that, but for the Oscars. Um, the members of Women in Media, an L.A.-based nonprofit promoting gender parity and entertainment, announced on Monday that in lieu of hate-watching the Oscars, they will be, they said, our ever-expanding Twitter army will be live-tweeting films by women with the hashtag, hashtag alt-Oscar-party. So that's fun. So there we go. Um, I'm going to have an alt-Oscar party. I don't need to read the rest of the article. You get it. We get it. Enough with the women shit. Until next week, have fun.